0: Today's angler has an almost infinite variety of rod, reels, and lines they can put together for any given lure presentation, but how do we choose? We're going to talk about that more on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chapla Chance here. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. Of course, brought to you every week by Sportsman's Warehouse. Uh, our title partners there have been since day one. If they're in your neighborhood, please visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse or visit them online at sportsman's.com. Apologize this podcast is a couple of days late guys. Again, I was under the weather and uh, my voice was just out of whack and I'm still fighting it a little bit. And so uh, we may end up having to cut it short. We'll see how my voice holds up. But I was just in uh, Sportsman's Warehouse for a, for a main uh, store level event that they had going on their big balloon pop sale. And um, lots of people in the store, and I was just kind of walking around making the scene. And I had two different people ask me effectively the same question in about a 10-minute period. And whenever I start getting, or whenever I get congruent questions, it makes me think about, well, if if enough people are going to bring it up to me in a short period of time like that, that maybe, just maybe, there's something to that question, and maybe I ought to address it if I have any insight that can help with it. And the question was basically this, I have all these rods, reels, and line, all these different things that I and every other angler out there uh, uh, have talked a lot about, a professional angler have talked a lot about, and it's created almost some confusion because there are so many choices and... It gets overwhelming for uh, an average guy who's trying to grow as an angler, maybe diversify a little bit as an angler. And I'm going to point out one little detail. As a guy that spent almost 20 years in this industry and doing this, uh, one of the things that I always, always keep in mind is that it feels like for us to stay current, us being guys like me who write and talk about fishing a lot, uh, teach people, guide people, blah, 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 blah. We get into so many details that it almost muddies the water, and it becomes more difficult for people to apply the information we're talking about because we start splitting hairs. Right? If Tiger Woods starts talking about the nuances in two different driver shafts, I'm going to be completely lost. Right? If, if you know, somebody's talking about the nuances of how they set up their Daytona NASCAR, I don't have a clue same kind of thing with a uh, joe average angler who's starting to come up through the field uh, maybe t- getting into some bass fishing or getting into some walleye fishing targets starting, starting to take things a little bit more seriously uh, gone a little bit farther than just trying to catch a few fish maybe trying to refine my technique it gets difficult to follow sometimes guys like me who write about it for a living because we split so many hairs so to speak and the whole point of it is the farther into angling you get, the more serious you get, particularly if you get down the tournament trail or uh, you know, go down a go route where you're going to compete or you're to maybe fish in a club of some sort, you're going to find out there's lots of nuances. And one thing I want to point out before I get going too hot and heavy into this technique or, or uh, topic, there are no wrong answers in fishing. Some answers are better than others. How I do stuff is not the same, particularly with a couple of techniques different than other people's. I will present my reasoning, and then you can make your decision from there. But I'm going to try to keep all of this as simple as I can, and I'm just going to go down and review specific lure genres and how I would choose rod reel and line for that. Now, the reason I'm going in that order, if you're a fan of Fishful Thinker, you will know that for me, uh, when I'm putting together a tackle system for any given presentation, and yes, I do look at them as systems, it's not, it's an overall thing when you go to present a bait. It's not just about the lure. It's about a lot of the other details. When I go to put together a tackle system for any, you know, given lure, it starts with the lure first, then the line, then the rod, and then the reel. So... It makes sense for the sake of this podcast that I will start everything with the lure and then the line and then go backwards through that same system. And the reason is they're in the order in which they affect the lure. So the lure, um, first and foremost, obviously has its own built-in things. But then depending on what kind of line I put it on, I can change some of that. And depending on what kind of rod I fish it on, I can impart different actions. And the speed or the capacity or the style of the reel all goes uh, along with the rest of the package. So that's how we're gonna choose them. So let's go ahead and get started with a a couple of presentations and see what you guys think. So I'm gonna start off with one that I think pretty much everybody needs to learn. And that to me is uh, a finesse jig. And this one also happens to be the most confusing of them. And I'm going to try to simplify it even more. And when I say finesse jig, I'm saying a jig somewhere between about a sixteenth of an ounce and a quarter of an ounce. And it could have any sort of a body on it that's somewhere between about two and a half, maybe two inches and four inches long. So a tube jig, a gulp minnow, a little power swimmer, maybe a hair jig or a marabou jig, uh, maybe a little grub, um, you know, the little soft swim bait of some sort, a whole bunch of different kinds of those, something along those lines. And... So the the finesse jig for me um, is the overwhelming majority of the time going to be on braided line on somewhere between about six and 15 pound braided line. Uh, For me, that's going to be X9 braid. The reason I like the braided line on the finesse jig for most scenarios is that I can throw it a long ways. I can feel it very well, and you're going to have to fish a finesse jig oftentimes on semi-slack line so extra feel is going to be really good uh, that the braided line will give you because braided line has no stretch and transmits feel back very well and then the other thing about is it gives me long range hook sets for the same reason so i can make a long throw with a light bait and still feel it and get hook sets from way out there with braided line so most of the time it's going to be eight or ten pound x9 braid for me with a finesse jig there is a scenario where i'll throw it on light fluorocarbon Um, typically six pound, maybe eight on the outside, and that's going to be around pure rock cover. And the reason being um, the the fluorocarbon is more forgiving around rock, and I can use the the stretch and pop technique for unsnagging it if I snag it in the rocks. And since your bait's going to have to be tight to the bottom, you're potentially going to snag some of them. Don't care how good of a fisherman you are. And because of that, the fluorocarbon will help there. But any other scenario, if I'm around grass cover, wood cover, um, you know, gravel, uh, anything like that, running water, uh, all of that's going to be done on the light braided line, and most commonly with a fluorocarbon leader of some sort if the water's clear. That leader will be somewhere maybe eight to 18 inches long. It's there for two reasons. One, it's for a bite leader to keep teeth off of my braided line. And then for two, um, it gives me a little bit of separation between the braided line and the lure. So, obviously, with fluorocarbon, straight fluorocarbon line, I don't run any sort of a leader snare. Then, when we get to rods, the rod for finesse jig for me is relatively long. It's going to be at least six and a half feet long, preferably more like six foot ten. Uh, up to as long as seven and a half feet. It's of course going to be a spinning rod because of the light weight that we're talking about and it's going to be an extra fast rod meaning that it only bends at the very tip and even more than that it's going to be a high modulus of graphite and most likely the single most expensive rod in my entire arsenal of rods because I need it to be light and sensitive because it's the ultimate in a feel technique. Okay, it's something I need to be able to feel. So a combination of the light braid and the long very crisp, very sensitive rod will make a big difference. So for me uh, most of the time the rod is somewhere between 6 foot 10, 7 feet long and it's extra-fast action and it's going to be these days a Xenon. Specifically the rod I use for finesse jigging is an Abu Garcia Xenon in a 6 foot 10 medium light extra-fast action. Uh, rod and that's what I throw and then again it will have the 8-pound X9 braid and maybe an 8-ounce jig the overwhelming majority of the time. As for a reel, it's going to have a very fast reel and for me that's most commonly going to be a Revo Rocket. It's going to be a size 20. Uh, and the reason the fast reel is just to get the bait back in a hurry or get tight on fish in a hurry. It has nothing to do with retrieve speed. There's no negative to the faster reel right here. So it just comes down to I can get the bait back in a hurry. So a very fast reel like the Revo Rocket does a great job with that. Okay, that's what I'm gonna. That's my finesse jig technique uh, setup. And that, by the way, is my most uh, used setup in my arsenal year in and year out. Now change up completely from there and say let's go opposite away from jigging and go to topwater. Topwater could go on spinning tackle or casting tackle depending on the size of the bait, uh, but that otherwise doesn't change from there. So if I'm throwing a little popper that doesn't weigh very much, then I'll throw it on a spinning rod. If I'm throwing a great big popper or a big walking bait or a full size bait then I'll throw it on a casting rod. It only comes down to the size and the weight of the baits that I'm casting and that's it. Other than that there's no changes so let's back up and go to the bait itself. Pretty much all of my surface bait fishing these days, topwater fishing is done on braided line. The weight of that braided line may be dictated a little bit by the size of the bait uh, or the size of the fish. So for instance, if I'm throwing a little tiny surface popper for maybe white bass or a little smallmouth or one that most nobody does, but they're missing out and that's for trout, um, then I'll throw it on maybe a medium light powered rod, but it's gonna be on eight or 10 pound braid. If I'm throwing a great big walking bait or something like that for maybe pike or you know bass or stripers something like that, well then it's going to be on braid, but it's going to be a bunch heavier, most commonly 30 pound, and um, and again it will either be on spider wire braid or. Uh, Berkeley X9 Braid depending on how much durability I really need. If I'm fishing around heavy grass where I'm going to be pulling on pike through reeds and cattails, I might go to the Spider Wire Dura Braid. If I'm going to be more in open water scenario working you know, maybe over deeper water, then I'm going to go with the X9 Braid. But the in all cases, it's going to be braided line. If that topwater's got trebles, which most of them do, then it's going to have a short monofilament leader. And the reason monofilament is that mono floats and it will help hold the nose of the bait up as opposed to fluorocarbon, which would pull the nose of the bait down. That fluorocarbon leader, once again, is gonna be somewhere between about eight and 18 inches long and uh, it'll just depend on, on the whether I'm using it for just to keep treble hooks off of my line when the bait tumbles in the air, or for bite protection, uh, depends on that scenario. But at the end of the day, it's going to be monofilament, and again it will be sized according to the bait. So a little tiny popper will have little tiny monofilament, and conversely, a great big bait, a big walking bait, or maybe a chopper of some sort, well then it will be on uh, a little bit heavier monofilament and the heavier braid in all those cases with those baits i'm going to use a fast not an extra fast action rod because i can see the bait i don't need the ultimate sensitivity and the the fast versus versus extra fast means the rod's a little more forgiving in terms of hook setting uh, particularly with the little treble hooks i'll lose a few less fish with that scenario with with the fast action and it's just easy to put a, a good crisp action on the bait uh, without overworking the bait, so a fast action rod is going to get it done for me. They tend to be on the shorter end of the spectrum, somewhere six, six, three to seven feet at the most. And I'm going to consider an average fishing rod is to be right around six and a half feet. So anything shorter than that's shorter end of the spectrum. Anything longer than that would be what I would consider the longer end of the spectrum. So, <coughs> excuse me for topwaters. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. For topwaters, um, the the casting distance can be a big thing. So somewhere around six and a half feet is a good deal. If they're going to be worked tip down, so the shorter rod. The reel um, will again be a fast reel because a lot of times with topwater baits, you're going to have a long ways between you and the fish. And really fast reel will help it out. So whether I'm on the spinning rod or the casting rod, depending on the size of the lure itself. I'm going to have a very fast reel for either or both of them. So, um, going to be something that it, that in, in the six foot or six six point six to one or higher gear ratio on a casting reel, uh, and then the spinning reel ratios are kind of all over the board. For me, it'll it'll come down to the rocket again, the Revo Rocket, very fast. Most of my spinning reels are going to be the Revo Rocket for stuff like that. So, that's my top water rundown. So topwater bait, braided line, short monofilament leader, uh, medium length, uh, fast action rods, and very fast reels. Let's change it up from there and say something like a crankbait. Now a crankbait for me uh, it's, it's, a, it's a throw and wind, right? So now we want uh, a good possibility for either braid or fluorocarbon. Could go 50-50 and the jury's out on this one a little bit. Still the bulk of my crankbaiting, something like a square squarebill crankbait or maybe a, uh, you know, a, a, a dredger or a wild thing or whatever crankbait it is that you like, a money badger, one of my favorites these days. Those are almost always going to be thrown for me on fluorocarbon unless I'm trying to achieve really, really good depth. Or I have heavy vegetation. Otherwise, any other scenario, they're going to be on straight fluorocarbon because fluorocarbon is dense so it sinks, maintains a nice straight line between you and your bait. And also um, it has a little bit less stretch than um, monofilament, so you get better hook sets but it has more stretch than braid, so it's a little bit more forgiving in that regard. So most of the time, like I said, it's gonna be on fluorocarbon, and usually it's gonna be somewhere between 10 and 15 pound. If I'm gonna be fishing real shallow, maybe a shallow square bill, it might be up as high as 20, but realistically 15 is as high as I go uh, when it comes to crankbaits, and more commonly somewhere in the 12 pound, it's trialing 100% fluorocarbon all the time. If I need braided line for, like I said, to get extra depth, because the thin, the thin braided line will cut the water column, cut through the water column, and give you a little bit extra depth and also give you long range hook sets, but more importantly, give you the opportunity to, to jerk the rod really hard on one end and, and get the grass off if you're fishing around vegetation and you feel that your bait stops vibrating. Uh, the braid's are a little easier for clearing the, the treble hooks should they get caught in the grass, but still, most of the time, I do it on fluorocarbon. Uh, and then when it comes to rods, my crankbait rods are all on the long end of the spectrum. They're going to be seven feet and up So and could be as long as eight feet. The reason being it's all about casting distance for one and steerability of the bait for two. So uh, I want a big long bomb of a throw in most scenarios because I want to keep the bait in the strike zone as long as I can. So the bait's going to be long for that, or the, excuse me, the rod. The other thing about that rod is it's going to give me control with that length. So even if I'm fishing around shallow cover, it gives me excellent steerability with the bait because the rod tip is farther away, and therefore I can steer the bait a whole bunch more, as the case might be. The other thing the long rod gives you an advantage of is, is fish fighting ability and is very much more forgiving in terms of not pulling treble hooks. It's because treble hooks don't get as much bite into fish as, say, a big single hook would do. So it's more forgiving in that regard, <clears throat> which I think is is important. And then the last thing, the, the softer, the big long rod is is a much slower action of the rod, and meaning that it bends very deep in the rod. It's going to feel almost noodly in your hand compared to, say, the jig rod we started talking about with, which is going to feel very stiff for a given power. The reason that softness is key is because the bait's continuously retrieved on tight line, and because the bait's on tight line, we need a little bit of give in the system when the bait gets bit. So, if, so let's say a bass or a, a walleye comes up behind and grabs that money badger. Well, as he does so, he's gonna flare his gills open and expect that that thing is going to come to him. And it's not gonna, because it's on straight line between you and the end of the rod, and therefore a little bit of tip on the end of that rod will cushion that a little bit. So when they flare their gills open and try to vacuum that bait into their mouth, you'll get a little give right there for one, and it will dull your responses to setting the hook just a little as well, and keep you from pulling it away from fish. So the softer, The slower action rod is really important in that regard. So to reiterate real quick with crankbaits, uh, crankbaits are almost always going to be on fluorocarbon line, occasionally on braided line, and they're going to be on somewhere in the 10 to 15 pound test most of the time. Rods are going to be 6.5 to 8 feet long. Most of mine are really going to be 7 feet or plus, if not all of them 7 feet plus. And they're going to be on medium-speed or low-speed reels. And the reason being is you're winding that bait against the resistance in the water, and it's more fatiguing. Uh, It's the equivalent of having your truck in fifth gear instead of third gear. Your truck is more powerful in third gear than it is fifth gear. And therefore, um, the, the reel, by having the low gear ratio, is... Just that, you gotta wind it faster, but it is more powerful and less fatiguing, and more importantly, will give you better feel for the bait. And if you just happen to wanna crawl the bait, well, even better, it'll cut your cut your down discipline-wise a little bit speed-wise too. So the very, very slow speed reel uh, just gives you a lot of power for cranking on crankbaits to keep you from tiring yourself out. Now, one quick exception as far as crankbaits goes is going to be a flicker shad, and some mm-hmm. of you may There are also the old school shad wraps as well, but the flicker shad or shad wrap style bait is much lighter weight crankbait and that one is always thrown on spinning rods. Um, The rest of the crankbaits could go on spinning rods or casting rods depending on the size of the bait. The rest of the system doesn't change. The slow speed reel, the long rod, none of that changes whether it's a spinning rod or a casting rod. The majority of my crankbaiting is done with casting rods because the majority of my crankbaits are heavy enough to throw on casting tackle. Flicker Shads and Shad Wraps tend to be light and they're better on spinning rods. In that case, they're on light braid. I like light braid on a spinning rod, so they're going to be on 10-pound braid, little fluorocarbon leader, and a big long 7.5-foot spinning rod, and a low-speed see uh, Garcia Revo winch spinning reel that's going to wind at really low speeds. Incidentally, that Flicker shad's an extremely versatile crankbait. Uh, and one that I still think to this day is underestimated by a lot of anglers, so especially bass guys. But uh, fantastic bait, fantastic cold water bait as well. So that's my crankbait bait system. Um, stepping towards jerk baits for me, jerk baits are a spinning rod deal, and I know I go against the grain on that. Most bass guys want to throw them with fluorocarbon and a casting rod, and I don't. And the reason I don't is because here's why: jerk bait means something like a cutter or a hit stick, or a stunna, or some of the others like that. The reason I don't like them on a casting rod is I want to make really long throws, and jerk baits being long and skinny, particularly if they don't have a weight transfer system in them, aren't maybe the best casting baits in the world, for one. For two, it's the most fatiguing presentation you can work because of the constant jerking, so to speak, on the jerk bait, and therefore, um, because it's such a uh, wear you out type technique, I don't want to have to hold on to the rod and I don't want to have to jerk on it any harder than I have to. So for me, a jerk bait's on a spinning rod. It will be either a medium power or a medium heavy powered spinning rod. A jerk bait is always on floor or on um, uh, braided line for me always. And again, I buck the, buck the national trend on that it's for the same reasons. I can barely jerk this end and it will barely jerk that end. Conversely, I can jerk it hard at this end and it will jerk hard at that end because there's no stretch in the braided line. So whatever I do at this end makes its way to that end of the lure. And so I'm very, very precise without having to jerk hard enough to pull the the fluorocarbon straight. Uh, I don't have to worry about the fluorocarbon sinking and pulling my bait down the braided line will do a better job with that. Again, I buck the trend. Now a lot of people say, oh well, by having it on on braided line, you're gonna you're gonna lose a lot of fish because you're gonna pull those little treble hooks out. And I combat that by having a very soft drag, especially when I'm jerk baiting. If I'm jerk baiting very aggressively, The drag on my spinning reel, which once again will be a Revo rocket, a very fast spinning reel, the drag on that spinning reel will be soft enough that when I jerk hard on one end of it, it might click a time or two. You'll hear the drag click once or twice each time. That's how soft that I will have the drag. So that when when a fish bites at mid-jerk and I pull into them all in one shot, the drag will give me the slack I need or the softness I need to keep from pulling the, the treble hook. So for me, a jerkbait, regardless if I'm um, trout fishing or pike fishing or anywhere in between, saltwater fishing, it's going to be on braided line, typically 15-pound X9 braid, uh, maybe 20 on a heavier rod. <clears throat> it's going to have a short fluorocarbon leader, again, say, 8 to 18 inches. That, that fluorocarbon leader will be sized according to the teeth I'm dealing with. So if I'm, say, pike fishing, it might be 60-pound fluorocarbon leader a foot long. But if I'm walleye fishing, it might be eight pound fluorocarbon leader with the same jerkbait, uh, because again, it comes down to the to the the bite protection in that case with the pike. So as long as I have some bit of fluorocarbon on there, that's all I need to keep the treble hooks off of the braided line, and to keep the teeth away from the braided line as well. So that's that's the line scenario. If I'm throwing great big jerk baits, I need a medium heavy rod, like I might do in in saltwater. Then I'll do it on 20 pound braid, but that's the only difference is 20 pound X9 instead of 15 pound X9. In all cases, they're spinning rods, and in all cases, they're going to be somewhere between six and a half and seven feet long. My personal preference being six foot eight and they're going to be extra fast action. And the reason being that gives me the very crisp feel to make that jerk bait extremely responsive or precise as the case might be. I can just let the rod hang in my hand and basically bounce the rod tip off the resistance of the bait in water and make that thing twitch in one spot without even moving hardly at all or full on jerking it to where it's running full speed or anywhere in between, but you got options. Um, with an extra fast rod and the braided line. So that's my jerk bait deal. And again, we're on the Revo Rocket. Um, so, so far, everything I've mentioned, with the exception of crankbaits, is on the extremely fast reels. And as time goes on, reels get faster, and I gravitate to them each time. So that's a key thing there. And the same thing with the jerk bait. So we talked about the jerkbait, the crankbait, the topwater bait, and the finesse jig. That's a lot of genres. Another one is going to be something like a spinnerbait um, or a bladed jig or slash chatterbait, whatever you want to call them. uh, That scenario for me, spinnerbaits, also with beetle spin type deal or uh, anything along those lines, um, typically for me, that's going to be on heavy duty monofilament. And like 17 to 25 pound monofilament, because I have a little bit of give, a little bit of stretch right there, have a little bit of feel right there which I really like and uh, soften your hook sets a little bit because typically you're going to be on big rods. So I'm going to, my spinner baits, so let's say a normal, like a power blade spinner bait A three eighths ounce or a half ounce power blade spinner bait is going to be typically for me on like 17 to 20 pound XT line. It's going to be on a six foot six to seven foot uh and it's going to be medium heavy powered rod and it's going to be a fast action rod so it's got some give to it but it's still fast enough to be accurate where I can roll cast it, typically there's a short range baits uh, and accuracy is more important. So uh, I'm gonna be roll casting this thing around dock or vegetation. It's going to be on a continuous retrieve. So the monofilament will help soften that a little bit, but we're talking about heavy monofilament. So I've still got plenty of oomph to get fish away from vegetation or docks or whatever the case might be. Also monofilament's a little bit more forgiving to fish with uh, in terms of the management in your reel as well. And speaking of reels, uh, spinnerbaits, bladed jigs, things like that for me, the the big beetle spin, those are all going to be done on mid-speed reels, something around the 6.5 to 6.8 to 1 gear ratio, some sort of a mid-speed reel, and it needs to be a beefy reel. So these are typically Revo STXs for me. And it's always done on casting tackle. The only time you'll see me uh, throwing any sort of a spinnerbait type thing on anything other than casting tackle would be a very small version, which I might throw for trout, like the biggest of the beetle spins, uh, something like that. Uh, That scenario, I might throw it on a spinning rod, but otherwise the rest of the components all stay the same. And like I said, 90 plus percent of the time, a spinnerbait or a bladed jig, anything like that, is going to be on a casting rod for me. So there's that. Um, the big Texas rigs, things like, uh, you know, like you might use for vegetation, a big Texas rig for bass fishing type deal, that for me could go 50-50 on braid or fluorocarbon. The difference being if I'm fishing rock or docks, I want fluorocarbon. If I'm fishing wood or weed, uh, weeds, then I want braid, Otherwise, um, a Texas rig or a jig, either one, um, you know, big flipping jig um, could go on either one of those. The pound test is going to be significant uh, in all cases, probably, and this is always done with a casting rod for me. So I'm going to say, realistically, we're going to be in the 15 pound would be on the very finesse end um, with fluorocarbon and 25 would be, On the very heavy end, if we're talking braid, I would say 30 pound would be the very finesse end and 65 would be the upper end with the most common ones being 20 pound fluoro and uh, 50 pound braid um, on one of my two flipping sticks. The sticks themselves are 7 foot 3 to 7 foot 6 in length. Uh, and they are all um, fast or extra fast action because, again, for feel and sensitivity. The braided rods are fast. The floor carbon rods are extra fast, and the difference comes down to the, the difference in stretch when it comes to the hook sets. Otherwise, they're not fundamentally different. In all cases for pitching and flipping, it comes down to the fastest reel you can get, and we're back to the Revo Rocket, guys, because... I need to I'm gonna pitch the bait, it's gonna to go to the bottom, go into the dock, whatever it does. I'm gonna shake it a time or two, I'm gonna reel it up and pitch it again. And that's gonna go very quickly. And by having a rocket, it, it comes back in a hurry, sucks in a lot of line in a hurry. So a couple turns of the handle, the bait's back, and you can do another underhand pitch. So that's a good scenario there. I think um, For the overwhelming majority of any of my trout fishing stuff that I'm going to retrieve, we'll change it up a little bit here, an inline spinner, a spoon, anything like that. Uh, Again, it could go 50-50 with either mono or braid, uh, depending on what I'm doing. If I'm fishing just general purpose, I'm probably going to go with mono and it's going to be Triline XT or, excuse me, uh, XL. Uh, it's just very forgiving and comfortable to fish with. If I've got heavy current um, or heavy vegetation, then I'll do it with the braid. Um, the rods for the for retrieving a spoon or an inline spin or anything like that for a trout. They're going to be long and relatively soft, so they're going to be a moderate fast or fast action. They're going to be 7 to 8 feet long. The reason being, trout jump like mad. They, they change directions in a hurry. The rod's long and forgiving to deal with softer or smaller treble hooks, I should say, and fish with relatively bony mouths that tend to go ballistic like trout do, particularly rainbows. So. The rod's very forgiving in that regard, and again, the fast reel, guys, if you're sensing one trend here, fast reels are a major thing all the time. Uh, that's going to be my standard, just general purpose trout fishing type stuff. And I think that's going to cover the bulk of the bases of the different genres of lures out there, guys. There's We could start splitting hairs with a whole bunch of others, but that'll get you in the ballpark. So. Uh, if you have questions pertaining to this podcast or any of the rest of them, let us know. Some of these we've br- broken down more specifically in previous podcasts, so you might run through our library and look at them and see what you think. Uh, of course, all that stuff's available at Sportsman's Warehouse, so you can get all that at sportsmans.com. And uh, we would very much appreciate it if you join our conversation at social media, at Fishful Thinker on social media, I should say, at Instagram or Facebook. And that we would appreciate particularly to sign in and uh and subscribe to our youtube channel and of course tune in and see what we're up to on altitude sports and world fishing network so match your rod reel line and lures in a cohesive package and i promise you'll catch more fish So we appreciate you listening this has been fishful thinker the podcast